What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Formula America podcast with your hosts, Kurt and Dylan. And we're back on another race week. We've got uh, the Down Under GP coming later on this week, the Australian GP. We've got a little bit of news to go over, um, a couple FIA issues that have popped up over the past couple of days. Uh, what are we going to get into after that? Some We got some review? speculations on some rookie reviews. Um, what's going to happen with Lewis Leclerc and Lando's? Oh, the three uh, L's, as you called them. The three L's. So kind of uh, what, what's next for those guys? And uh, speculation. You know, I, I want to talk about some Red Bull stuff. So, you know, we're going to just shoot from the hip. Cool. Well, that'll be exciting. And that'll give us a little bit of warm up into the race week. And then we'll be back on Wednesday or Thursday with a little pre-race predictions. And we know how those go. So <laughs> we'll see. I'm going to predict Logan Sargent is <laughs> going to be on awful. the podium. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So wait, on, on that FIA, um, the rule updates, there was one that came out, I think, yesterday. And there's a rule called TD39. And I guess that's okay. just like, you know, what they're... Touchdown 39. Exactly. That's it. And so TD39 is something that came about last year when they were having all the issues with porpoising, if you remember that. Um, so they were saying that the cars were running such a low ride height that it was causing them to porpoise and causing mm -hmm. damage to the cars, damage to the drivers. This one specifically came out um, shortly after that race where Lewis could barely get out of the car. Yeah. If you remember that one. Um, yeah, so sitting TD39, on the tire holding his back. Yes. Yeah. And that just looked painful. Yeah. So basically what TD39 said is that the cars had to have a 15 millimeter ride height at minimum. And so over okay. the weekend, FIA just like quietly just did away with that. So, I mean, it, it's 15 millimeters isn't much, but obviously it's enough where they made the rule in the first place last year. So I'd be interested to see kind of what that is going to bring about. What kind of change, you know, so if the cars are not porpoising, it shouldn't matter, right? They should be able to go so as low 15 as millimeters is what three quarters of an inch yeah i don't know it's not uh i haven't done the conversion to a 24 millimeters is an inch so 15 we'll call it you know five eighths i mean that's about how high yeah. your mazda rode <laughs> that mazda was useless <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you're right 0.59 of an inch is 15 yeah. millimeters so, so just over half an inch i mean that um, kind of makes sense i get the whole point of putting the uh, rule in place when the porpoising was as bad as it was. Um, you know, in the words of Christian Horner, if you have a problem, fix your fucking car. <laughs> fix your fucking car. <laughs> um, and I guess now that like porpoising has largely not, has been largely a non-issue, it kind of makes sense to get rid of the rule and let the cars and the constructors kind of continue to develop. So they right. just, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. We'll see if so, anything comes of it. If someone, you know, Mercedes all of a sudden starts porpoising down the straightaway, we'll know. <laughs> they start porpoising, but they're in first and second place, then I don't know. We'll see. The Ferrari special. The Ferrari special. Yeah. Just that's what happened it, last year. They were like, fast. we don't care that it's porpoising. It's fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So the other one that came out, and this is the one that I thought was interesting, was the FIA has changed the regulation about. Uh, giving penalty points so and this was like after lobbying last year from some of the teams namely pierre gasly and his yeah, camp gasly. um because he got a lot of his points 
from uh, track limits, things like that, like minor infractions. So what they said now is they're going to reserve penalty points for dangerous driving, things like Lance Stroll, basically. <laughs> um, so they're, so since they did that, unfortunately for, for Gasly, they didn't go back and make it retroactive. So he's kind of, oh. you know, they didn't, he still has his points. So then uh, Alpine was lobbying to get the points taken off. And the other teams on the grid were like, no, <laughs> they started, they were just like, no, that's, you can't do that. So basically it was Alpine versus everybody else. And so far it seems like everybody else is winning and Gasly's going to keep his points, meaning he's still only two points away from a race ban. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure the other teams are like, we're doing this for your own safety so that the Ocon Gasly explosion takes a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. It's coming. I Oh, you know, it's coming. It's like, Almost like, just please just get rid of them just so we could see it happen. <laughs> Drive to survive is over there going, get rid of them, get rid of them, help us out here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, that makes sense. It seems kind of, I, you know, I don't, there's not many states here in the U.S. that does points on the driver's license. I know Texas doesn't. Um, I know some states do, but it seems to be largely a European thing for like normal driving. To get like if you get a speeding ticket, you get a point on your license, and you're only allowed so many points, and you get your license suspended. It's the same thing as the F1 guys, but it kind of seems simp- It kind of seems dumb at the F1 level to give points for you know a track limit or something. Like I agree with that yeah. change to go to if it's dangerous Lance Stroll moves, then you get a point. It's and the whole point of F1 is to push the limits, like. You're already. Wait, you're penalized. saying you guys don't get. There's you no guys don't get on points on your license in Texas. Nope. Do you in Florida? What the hell? Hell yes. <laughs> I remember when I was growing up, I was always right up against the max, and it was almost. Yeah. I felt like Pierre Gasly every time I'm going out driving. Like, oh, I got to keep it under control. And then as soon as I would get points, like I knew when points were dropping off, it was like, oh, there's no rules, baby. <laughs> yeah, not <laughs> I thought it was Texas. a normal U.S. thing. Damn. No, it was weird when I heard points were a thing. Someone had to explain it to me for normal driver's license. Here in Texas, you just get fined. All right. Well, another reason, I guess, to to move, move to, to Texas. Texas maybe. No, to everyone stay away. We have too many people already. <laughs> Everyone's already coming here. One other piece of news that you and I kind of texted about that I thought was interesting was McLaren. With the shakeup happening over there, they fired their technical director. And then they basically brought on a technical board. Um, with two new hires and a third that won't come on till January 24, but two new hires coming on now, one being head of aerodynamics and one being head of operations. Um, and then I don't remember what the third guy is, but the interesting thing about that, so firing the firing of technical director, bringing on technical board, and then that board answers directly to Andreas uh, Stella, the the president. Um, and goes around Zach Brown. Now, Zach Brown is still there, but more is just a full CEO position, not, um, not I guess, running the technical side. I don't yeah. know. Definitely like shows that McLaren's trying to make some changes. Dude, and that's one thing. Like You would see all these other teams that are being run by team principals, and then from the looks of, from the outside, it looks like Zach Brown was basically the team principal. Yeah. of mclaren and i feel like this is probably a good move because zach brown's you know he's got his hand in so many other things there he's running the the road car brand 
they've got you know countless of other race series that they're in and you know in in my opinion mclaren is kind of a sinking ship under under zach brown so i'm glad to see that they're kind of going around that and doing a more traditional structure so hopefully andrea style or stella can uh you know do some principal stuff as the principal you know yeah like we kind of talked about i don't know what it is about zach brown um and you said in Drive to Survive, you got overheard saying like, hey, don't trust him. Yeah. Um, he kind of gives off that little bit of, I don't know, slimy is too strong of a word, but just. I, to me, he's he's like a used car dealer. And he, yeah. he's even got the belly for it. Like, if you see the way his gut like pokes out, like, oh, what do I got to do to get you into this car? <laughs> like, I, yeah. that's what I see from him. And he just, he doesn't give me like reassuring vibes. No. So it'll be interesting to have him just sit squarely in the CEO uh, uh, seat, have a technical board answering directly to the principal. We'll see what happens. Yeah, hopefully but, we'll get some traction out of them. I really want to see them do well. I mean, obviously, I do too. I've got my my Danny Rick shirt on, got my McLaren hat on. You know, I want to <laughs> see them do good. I saw a thing on uh, Instagram the other day that was showing um, all the like the generation of team ownerships. Yep. Um, like, you know, it went from Jaguar to Red Bull or, you know, and it just had it all in, in uh, chronological bars of who, what the progression is from Force India to Racing mm-hmm. Point to Aston or whatever. And it was interesting. There was four solid ones. Ferrari, Williams, Haas, because, I mean, Haas hasn't been around yeah. that long. But they Brand new. Anyone, right. So Ferrari, uh, Williams, and McLaren are the only three long-term teams that have not had a change in ownership. Right. And so it's kind of, it's kind of just one of the OGs like McLaren's been around since, you know, borderline the beginning. They've always just been McLaren. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, you know, it's kind of like when the Detroit lions suck, I'm not a Detroit fan, but they're an OG NFL team. Like you want them to be doing well. Like that's crazy to look at too. When you think about the progression that like that, and all those teams, McLaren, Ferrari, and Williams, are kind of on the downturn. You know, Ferrari was able to hold it together, I guess, kind of the longest. Yeah, kind of. Not, maybe not as much. You know, I mean, they're, they're the all, most winning team decline. in the history. So yeah, but in recent history, they're all like yeah. kind of going down. Maybe that shows that you know you need to be able to constantly reinvent and you know evolve to be able to do well. But who knows? Hopefully, I just thought it was new... super interesting. But you want yeah, to see McLaren do well. I mean, yeah, you, for sure. You, you watch old videos of the seventies and eighties and nineties racing and you know, they're in McLaren's and, and Williams and you don't know half the other names, but those names are still going yeah. around the track. Yep. That's why I'm, I'm happy to see Williams kind of on the come up again this year. Yeah. With their Duracell battery on top. <laughs> um, cool. All right. That's all I got. Rookie update. Speaking of Williams. All right. So the freshman class of 2023, <laughs> including <laughs> including Hulkenberg. <laughs> you know, he's coming back. Um man, we've got only two races. But I mean, I think that we could see a little bit from some of these guys. Yep. Um all right, so let, let's just go down the list and, and we'll talk about them. Let's start with uh old Oscar Piastri, speaking of McLaren. Um so this guy, his first race in Bahrain, he qualified P18, which, you know, brand new guy. You would hope that it would be a little bit higher, but we knew coming into it that McLaren wasn't going to be, you know, the best car. Um, and then obviously we didn't get to see much out of him in the race because he had a, his 
steering wheel issue or Microsoft whatever. update. <laughs> yeah. His car updated 15 laps in. <laughs> um, but man, Oscar in Saudi Arabia, that guy made it all the way to Q3 in that McLaren, which was an absolute dog, um, which I don't think anybody expected it to get that high, no. you know, especially not his, maybe Lando's if Lando wouldn't, uh, you know, hit the wall. Um, yep. But yeah, all the way up to, to Q3 and then, you know, the race starts and he gets together with Gasly right at the beginning and basically ruins his race and Lando's and Lando's. Race. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it's still too early to tell on Oscar, but I am excited because of that one uh, P9 in the qualifying in Saudi Arabia. So I think there's definitely a lot of, of potential with him. And if you remember back when we did our preseason predictions, I rated him as the highest uh, rookie with the most promise. So I think that as long as we could see some more of that, I think Oscar's on his way to, to be pretty good and, you know, pretty big name in F1. I think Oscar's shown a load of talent. Um, I think he's definitely for being a rookie um, in the waves that he has made, he is showing talent. I saw a thing the other day though, that I thought was really interesting and true was that due to Oscar's entrance into F1 and the whole Alpine situation and moving to McLaren and and all of the talk and the buzz that he has made and his history I think he's really got a he's got a target on his back to perform yeah much more so than Logan Sargent does I don't think anyone is expecting much of anything from Logan Sargent this year right but Oscar Piastri is absolutely expected to perform and you know that's got its pros and cons if he does he's got a hell of a career ahead of him if he doesn't he might get cut a little bit short and be a great talent that never was because he made Mm -hmm. a little bit too much noise out of the gate Um, and i think that's a super true um comparison between the two so far he's shown a lot of promise but everyone's watching him and expecting him to as well yep he's definitely got the most pressure on him and the most to lose out of all of these rookies. Yeah, but he's, I mean, like you said, P9 in quality in an absolute just terrible car. Mm-hmm. So. so hopefully, you know, we'll see some more of that promise coming into Australia here. Um, so on Sergeant, let's race. move on to him. The, the American uh, hero right here. Florida P19, man. the Florida man. That makes me so happy when I see that. <laughs> Um, so P19 in quality in Bahrain, you know, didn't expect much. He is in a Williams after all. Um, and then came in P12 though in the race. So yeah. only two places out of the points, which is a win, I think in anybody's book, especially, you know, for somebody coming in first race in F1 in a Williams. And then he puts it two spots out of the points. Awesome. Can't ahead of the McLarens, ahead opinion. of the Haases, ahead of the Alpha Tauris. Yep, who were all, you know, except for the Alpha Tauris, the Haases and the McLarens were thought that they would be higher up in the pack. And for him to beat all those, awesome. Good for him. Um, Then we get to Saudi. And again, in qualifying, he put in that lap time that would have had him basically seen the Q3, right? And no one expected it because everyone was talking about how scary that track is. They were like, we have a new dude who's never even been, who's never driven in Saudi. He never drove F2 in Saudi. He's never been on that, the fastest street circuit in a brand new F1 car. They're like, he's not going to do anything. It's a scary track. And then he set that lap time out of the gate. That was like, oh, okay. 
Well, what they failed to take into account is that he is a Florida boy. He's yeah. a Florida man. He has no fear, right? He has no regard for his own personal safety. If you, so I just came back from Fort Lauderdale, which is where he's from. If you saw how they drive down there, you would see why he did so well. Like there are like rules mean absolutely nothing down there. More like guidelines. So I, yeah, if that very loose guidelines. Um. All right, so then, so he didn't get that lap to get, or that lap time got taken away because he went a little off the track, you know, on a straightaway. Um, it happens. And then, so after that, he just couldn't put it together. So he didn't even, I don't even think he got a solid lap in. No. So didn't. he was dead last in quali. And then he got up to P16 during the race, which, you know, it's not the best. But again, hmm, he's in a Williams. He can always kind of say that, right? If he doesn't do well, be like, oh, it's a Williams. It's the Williams, and you're like, okay, fine. Yeah. So I, I, but I will say that his race result in Bahrain and his quali result, if it wasn't for that exceeding track mm-hmm. limits, show some promise in in old Logan Sargent there. Yeah, it absolutely does. And a lot of people have said he doesn't deserve the seat that he's in; that other people deserved it more. Um, and so I do think he does have a bit of a target on his back. Um, and so definitely not as much as Oscars. But he's, yeah, he's in a Williams, but he needs to be beaten Albon. Um, yeah. And so. You know, the one thing that I I did not like and that you can kind of see maybe a, a flaw is that once he got flustered, he could not hook it up again after that. Yep. Um, And it just kind of like he, he needs to learn to shake it off. And so if he can do that, then I think he'll be fine. But it seems like right now he's like, you know, doesn't have that resilience to kind of just you know let it run off his back and and get out and do it again so we'll see going forwards how he's able to handle the pressure yep and nick devries who no one's even heard of for the first two races i i had to look it up because i was before this i was like what did he do i have no (laughs) idea no one knows and so you know nick devries you know the guy that came in and was kind of like i guess reported as saying that he didn't want to be known as a rookie or, you know, considered to be a rookie. Formula E world champ. Yep, Formula E world champ. 27, I think, years old. He's been around for a bit, you know, but he's performing like a rookie right now. He's not really doing much. You know, Bahrain, he qualified 16th, and he finished the race in 14th. He made up two spots. You know, nothing really noteworthy during that race. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the next race, he qualified in P18 and then made up four spots and, you know, finished the race in P14. Um, but if you look at him compared to Sonoda, who we all thought coming into the season, or at least you and I said, you know, Nick DeVries is going to get there and he's going to outshine Sonoda and, you know, he's clear number one on the team. That's not the case. I don't know if Yuki has like just stepped it up this year or if Nick is just underperforming that bad, but Sonoda is outperforming Yuki, you know, by far. Sonoda got points. Uh, I thought he's P11 in Bahrain. Did he get? You're right. K Mag blipped him on like the last yep. five laps, but he was 11 yes. then. Yep. Like, so he actually finished P11 both races. Um, and he's out qualified some or uh, DeVries in both races as well. So, you know, Yuki, I think, is you know, claiming his spot as the number one on that team so far. He is. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, you got to also realize the rookies are still learning their cars. Mm-hmm. Never been sure. in Formula One cars before. I mean, DeVries had one race last year in a Williams. But rookies are still, you know, everyone always says it takes a full year to figure a car out. So 
you know, you can make that excuse for him. Um, but he didn't want to be known as a rookie. He already has a race or a Formula E world champion. Like, and Yuki Sonoda is doing well, but he's not a world champion. If Nick DeVries no. wants to be, he needs to uh, start stepping it up for sure. Yep. That's why I think this will be good to do like quarterly throughout the season and just yep. kind of see like, you know, oh, well, this time, you know, he's DeVries is outperforming Yuki. So, and just kind of track that progress to see who's actually able to get a hold of that car and then, yep. you know, continue to progress. Um, all right. And the Hulk last guy, Hulk Hulkenberg, you know, coming into this season after testing and all that, the Haas was looking pretty good. And I think yeah, there was, was a lot of, a lot of hype around it. And then Bahrain Hulk puts it in P10 on quali. Um, but then once the race starts, it's like those Haas just can't keep up and nope, no race find pace. themselves back. He got 15th in the race. And then in Saudi Arabia, um, he qualified 11th and then dropped down to 12th, you know, for the result. Um, you know, and putting him, looking him against K-Mag, you know, K-Mag's outperforming him. But again, as we said with on the last one, you know, K-Mag's been in that car for at least two seasons. And then, you know, yep. besides taking time off and all that time, he's in the car before that. So he does have a ton more experience um, in that car and with the team. So we'll see. You know, I think Hulkenberg will probably, you know, make that switch and start outperforming K-Mag at some point. I don't see it. I think you don't see it. Hold it. Yeah, I think K-Mag's going to hold it. I, I, it would be interesting. I just feel like Hulkenberg coming back into the season has a lot to prove. And I just, uh, K Mag, I like K Mag. He just seems so inconsistent. Like, he'll have some races, like you saw last year. You got pole in, uh, what, Suzuka? Granted, it was, mm -hmm. you know, in the rain and all that, but still, that's pretty he got impressive. Pole. He got pole, and that's all that matters. And so, but other than that, it's like sometimes just like he's not there or he's dive bombing somebody just kamikaze in a corner. I totally agree with you. But the reason I think K-Mag is going to hold that spot is if you are a consistent driver like Hulkenberg in that Haas, you're going to consistently not be in the points. If you That's, want yeah. to score points, you're going to have to dive bomb and do some crazy shit every once in a while. To get up there, to get that pole position, to get to 10th place, to get points on the board. And that's why I think Hulkenberg is going to consistently not score points and be just outside of them. K-Mag might not finish half of his races, but <laughs> once he does finish, he's dive-bombing it down the inside as always. And he's going to get some points on the board. I that's, think if we, were, if we had both of them sitting in the Ferraris or the Mercedes or whatever, I'd have a totally different opinion. And I think Hulk would be you know, outperforming K mag. But I think in that Haas where the ground level expectation is to not score points, I think K mag is going to come out on top on the points. You got to risk it for the biscuit, I guess. That's exactly right. <laughs> so um, that's the rookies. But uh, while we're talking on the races and whatnot and dive bombing it down the inside and comparing <laughs> teammates, I want to talk about Red Bull real quick. Yes. Um, last podcast. You said that you would love to go back and watch the last 10 laps and listen to the Red Bull radios. And so one night, glass of whiskey in hand, I did that. And it was super interesting. So um, the, the premise for this was because yeah. we were talking about whether or not Max knew that Checo had a uh, fastest lap and then took it from him on purpose, or if he just took it and didn't realize it was Checo's. Yep. Okay. Um, and the Red Bull's pulling away. It seemed like they had the actual absolute hammer down. 
Like it, it was just an interesting what was going on inside those cars. And so I watched Max's uh, point of view first. And honestly, there was very little talking at all. You heard the on the race, you heard the radio transmission of Max asking who had the fastest lap. Um, and his engineer came back and said, hey, we're not worried about that right now. And Max came back and said, well, I am. That was the whole transmission. They didn't, there wasn't anything after that, except for like 10 seconds later, the engineer came on and said, hey, the fastest lap is 131.9. Mm-hmm. That was it. Didn't say who it was, just said fastest lap 131.9. And then Max didn't say anything. And he kept going, kept going. And there was almost like no talk for the rest of the time. There was a couple of times where uh, the engineer came on and was like, hey, we're targeting a 33.0. Hey, we're targeting a 33.0. Make sure you're targeting a 33-0. Max never responded to any of them and then finished the race. And that was it. Like, that was the whole. So I was like, man, that didn't. Max didn't tell him he was going for fastest lap, like, or anything. So then I switched over to Checo's radio, which was way more interesting and more telling. So, like, started 10 laps out, lap 40 going in. Checo was asking for constant updates of what Max's lap times were. Okay, constantly. Hmm. Um, he even asked who had the fastest lap round, like lap 45, and they were like, you do at the moment at a 131.9. And he was like, oh, cool. Um, but when he was asking for Max's updates, because we all heard on the Perez transmission, that his engineer came over and said, hey, we're targeting a 32.6 plus 0.4. So we're targeting a 33.0. And Checo fired back and was like, well, why? what is Max time? Max's time right now is it 32 six? Why are you telling me to do 33s if Max is faster mm-hmm. and you got all flustered? But when you listen to all of the transmissions, they were reading to him Max's lap times and Max was hitting 133 zeros like consistently, like 132 9, 133 0, 133 1. Like it was consistently at the pace that Red Bull was telling him to set. And then it wasn't until the last lap, you know, Max took it. Um, but there was no transmission to Checo about Max, you know, taking it or anything. If anything, it was like, Hey, everyone's playing very fair right now. I thought it was, I thought it was very interesting. So in summary, the implications that I see and what I think is so interesting about this is one, those Red Bulls absolutely pulled away from the track, not chasing each other. Like they were setting the lap times that Red Bull engineers said were the, ones they needed to be setting that was a safe you know good race pace for them don't push the car so we have definitely not seen the full potential and those cars were lapping a second a lap faster <laughs> jesus <laughs> there's also a ton of speculation that max couldn't catch checo and that he was not closing the gap well then when you listen to all this max wasn't trying to close the gap there was no team orders that were going to be issued for max to take it like max was playing good boy and knew he was going to have a second place finish here. He wasn't trying to chase down Checo. Um, I do think Max probably assumed Checo had the fastest lap, it's the same but he did thing. not know. So the cool down room where there was that little bit of fighting back and forth, Max was being kind of honest when he was like, Oh, I didn't realize you had the fastest lap. I think he probably knew it, but no one told him that it was checkers. Yeah, that's wild. And you know what else I, I bet he probably knew was that by him getting the fastest lap, he would stay in the lead for the championship. I'm sure. You're doing the math in your head. You're, you yeah. know. That's, that's so crazy to me that they can say hit this time 
And within a tenth of a second, you're doing that around a track, 27 or however many miles long. (laughs) Yeah. And you're able to do that. That is wild to me. Yeah. That's impressive. Super impressive. But that's also, like you said, that's scary to think what they can do if they're actually being challenged. Because they could clearly drop the hammer and just pull away. Yeah, because that's what Max did on the last lap. Instead of doing his 33-0, he just ran it up to a 31-5 or something. Like, just went ahead and go go take that fastest lap time. Oh, it's only a 131-9? Like On old tires. On old tires, yes. Um, So I thought that was really interesting. Um, That the Red Bulls are fast, and there was not drama between them. They, They definitely churched it up. The commentators were talking about it. The cool down room definitely seemed like there was drama, but if you listen to those radio transmissions, Max wasn't chasing down Checo. Max knew he was in second place. Max didn't technically know that Checo had the fastest lap. Like it hmm. seemed like everyone was playing team. So like, so you're saying maybe Max isn't the villain that everybody's making him out to be. Maybe. You know, I go back to, um, I think I sent it to you, the interview on Instagram uh, where Danny was talking about Max. Mm -hmm. And Danny said Max is who he is. There is no sugarcoating it. There's no, like, you know who you get with Max all the time. And he's just kind of, you know, a total alpha race car driver that doesn't have a great sense of humor. But it was interesting listening to Danny dote on Max. And seems like they really kind of enjoyed each other. Um, but I think that Max gets made out to be the villain because he doesn't have the personality for TV to be right. made the hero. Like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he seems like very upfront. What you see is what you get. Not going to sugarcoat things. Yeah. So, I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. Moving on. Are we going to three L's? Are we doing the three L's? Yes, the three L's. So, this is gonna be a little bit of speculation here so a lot of this is speculation a lot of speculation right and you could even say that maybe i'm putting on my tinfoil hat of of you know conspiracies here but what started this is last week i think it was i saw a post on instagram you may have seen it where lewis hamilton and lando norris were playing golf together and i did not see this well, they went out and they played golf together and somebody else was there, like Uncle Larry or something. I don't know. <laughs> was but, Lewis wearing like full on high fashion clothes? N- no, he was actually rare and regular, normal, like subdued huh. golf clothes. Interesting. So, I don't know what he showed sure. up to the place in. <laughs> sure it wasn't a doppelganger? <laughs> yeah, right. But so this got my mind racing. I was like, these guys are playing golf together. And then this was during my my car trip. So I was driving, you know, we had an eight hour car ride. So I had a lot of time to think about this. So it might get kind of wacky. <laughs> but in my mind, this is how the scenario played out. Lewis invites Lando to go play golf because he knows that Lando likes to golf. He gets there and they're talking about the future and what's coming up. And he Lando's contract is over in 26, I believe. 25. 25. Yeah, 25. Right. And so in my mind, what happened is Lewis is like, hey, man, I realized that I said before I wanted to stick around for my eighth championship. This might not happen. I'm going to give it until 2025. I know your contract is up in 2025. And at that time, I want you to take my seat. And I think that within the team, Lewis has already kind of slotted Lando to be his replacement. 
And so I think he's like, I know things are tough there, but just hang on until 2025 and you will get my seat if you can do that. So I think that's what's going to happen. But that's going to cause a huge ripple across across the grid at that point as well. But from that small scenario and that one picture, that's where my mind went on an eight hour car ride. What do you think? That's about super that? interesting. I don't see Lewis going anywhere. There's tons of speculation about him going to Ferrari or whatever. Lewis isn't going anywhere. And everyone's making these speculations because he kind of had an outburst one time uh, about Mercedes not listening to him. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I see a 0% chance of him going to Ferrari. The Ferrari culture right. would not support Lewis. Nope. Um, and so he's absolutely not going there. Um, and if you take Ferrari out of the picture, there's nowhere else to go. He's not going to Aston. He's not going to Red Bull. Christian Horner can't stand him. Like, right. Um, so I, I don't think Lewis is going anywhere. I think the question is, is when does he retire? Kind of leading into your, um, your point of view there. I think it would be. So one going con- chronologically and thinking this through out loud, you know, Mercedes is not going to be third fastest for long. They will move closer to Red Bull. Will it be enough to take the championship? I don't know. We look at the 2021 season, though, the Mercedes was clearly a faster car than the Red mm-hmm. Bull, and Max still won. Arguably not for the right reasons, <laughs> but they went into the last, you know, they went into the last race dead tight on points. We could mm-hmm. have a reversal of that next year, right? Where Mercedes might not be as fast as that Red Bull, but they're close enough and strategic and clever enough to, you know, continue to score True. points and be up there competing. Lewis, everyone keeps talking about how old Lewis is and he's fading. I still see every bit of fight in Lewis that was there five, six, seven years ago. Um, He's not as outspoken and um, rash and aggressive about it. It's much more of a mature racer style, but Mm -hmm. that dude is not riding off into the sunset or taking a break or whatever. Like he absolutely wants to win. And you kind of get a twofer, right? Like generally at this stage, you'll get Kimi Raikkonen, you'll get Sebastian Vettel, even Alonzo up to a certain point. He got lucky with the switch to Aston. You get this old with this passive a career, you generally go back to a team to help him to develop. He's getting to kind of do that at Mercedes where he's been the whole time. This is the development phase. Um, and I see that car coming back to the front quickly. Interesting point on Lando, though. Maybe so. If I'm Lando, I would totally listen to that conversation and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm totally interested and see what McLaren does. Um, Obviously, Lando has some kind of belief that McLaren's still going to be there. Otherwise, he'd be making moves. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. I just I don't see Lewis going anywhere. The, the, The saying that always comes to mind with Mercedes and Lewis is, uh, what was it in Spider-Man was I think was the movie was that uh, you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yep. And that was Mercedes and Lewis through and through. Right. Mm-hmm. He became the hero and then kept winning and kept winning and became the villain. And now he didn't. He became the villain and is coming back around to being a hero. Everyone's yeah. loving the Lewis story and the Mercedes story right now. And their drive to succeed is like a palpable yeah like motivation like if i'm lewis hamilton why would i leave when if we all feel that can you imagine what their factory <laughs> is feeling like yeah. they're, they're making moves um and then 26 is huge change up to the regulations if i'm you know knowing mercedes's development capabilities and there's a big change up coming 
and they're going to learn from their mistakes. I don't know if I'm riding off in the sunset at a development change. I might try and stick around for 2026 and see what happens. Ooh. So I don't know, man. I don't see Lewis going anywhere. I don't see Lando going anywhere. And I don't see Leclerc moving either. <laughs> I, I think that we're kind of stuck with what we got right now. And that makes it almost more entertaining. Yeah, no, and and that was the thing too. That was kind of what started this whole thing. Is I was thinking a lot of like, what's next for Lewis, Lando, and Leclerc? Because obviously, I, I well, in my opinion, I feel that they're all not being served well by their teams, their current teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was actually you know what led into when I saw that picture and led into that train of thought. But then so I, I went out and I uh, was reaching out for some you know some community engagement to see where everybody else's head was at. So. Let me, I, I posted a thing on one of the Facebook forums. So let me go over some of the responses and kind of get your opinion on, on some of these. And so basically it was like, uh, the question I was asking was what's next for Lewis Leclerc and, and uh, Lando? Should they wait it out and see if their respective teams can figure out their issues or should they begin to look elsewhere? And if elsewhere, then where, you know? And like we said, there's doesn't seem to be many options for them, but uh, I want to get your take on some of these here. One of the ones that I got, and this is one that actually I saw a couple people had had mentioned something similar, and this is on Lewis specifically. And so he said, Lewis should be more concerned about beating George this year than winning an eighth championship. If he loses to George again, it will begin to raise a lot of questions. Now, yeah, I totally agree on that. I was thinking about this, uh, listening to another podcast, and you and I had this conversation specifically about Danny Rick. If you're Red Bull and Checo doesn't work out, do you pull up a Nick DeVries? Do you or do you go with Danny Rick or like what do you do? And after kind of talking it through, we both agreed that as a business, you go with the younger guy. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about Mercedes. Mercedes is never going to just kick Lewis to the curb. Um, there's too much history there. Toto's his best friend, but um, if I am Mercedes, I'm probably putting some eggs in that George Russell basket. I completely agree that Lewis needs to be, and I, I have no doubt that he is aware of how good George Russell is and the career he's got in front of him. And he's only going to mm-hmm. get better. Um, I absolutely agree with that statement. Um, I also thought it was interesting, you know, cause it, we always say that Mercedes and Lewis are kind of synonymous or, uh, synonymous. Yeah, that's sort of. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Lewis wanted Botas to stay. Yeah. He was a hundred percent on do not get rid of Botas. I like Botas. Botas is great. And Mercedes said, that's great. We're pulling Georgia. So, I mean, it's Mercedes definitely doesn't cater or pander to Lewis. Not maybe not like it seems on the outside. So, yeah, I agree with him. I think he does need to focus on being the best in the car he has. So, to caveat on that, how many seasons does he have to start playing second fiddle to George before he decides that's enough? You know, if he if George is outperforming him two, three seasons, is he going to stick around for that next regulation change? Or does he not want to... Do you get to the point where you want to save your reputation, not tarnish your reputation anymore? You know, damage control almost. God, I don't know. Cause I think at the end of the day, as the level of competitor and racer that all of those guys are, Mm -hmm. I think I'd be more worried about leaving the sport for good on that note. I think I'd keep striving to do better and outperform and end on a high note. And yeah, uh, but then you get to the point of like, 
a Vettel or a Raikkonen who, you know, eventually is like, hasn't been on the podium in years at that point. And, you know, that's, you know, basically all you think about, like, yeah, you're like, oh, it's a two-time world champion or a four-time world champion or whatever. Um, but, you know, you're only really as good as your last race or your last season. Yeah. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see it play out. I don't think, I think George has more potential where we currently sit than Lewis, but I do not think he's a better racer than Lewis yet. Right. Not yet. Not yet. I think that he could potentially get there, but not now. Yep. Um, all right. So we'll go over maybe two more. Um, so this other one says for Lewis, uh, waiting and hoping that Mercedes will give him a competitive car is the best. I don't think any other leading teams would want him at the end of his career. And for now, he should focus on beating his teammate for Lando. He has to change his mind setting and be more aggressive. He's too passive. And on Leclerc, he has a bright future. He showed his potential and is not excelling because of car problems. He's the opposite of Norris with a strong will to succeed. And any other team on the grid would be more than happy to have him, speaking on Leclerc. Um, so basically saying, same thing we just said about Lewis, same thing as the other guy, saying that yep. Lando is passive and needs to be more aggressive and that Leclerc has a bright future. And the only reason he's not winning is because of his car. Yeah, so, I mean, but that's the whole issue we've talked about with Leclerc the whole time. You're right. He's not winning because you can't even really say because of the car, because of the team, because of the strategy, yes. because of the optics, because of the reliability, um, like, which is the whole argument for should Leclerc stay with Ferrari? Does he think that those issues are solvable issues? And if he doesn't, it's time to look elsewhere. If he does, you're going to stay with the team. And that's been our argument with Leclerc the whole time. You're right. He's got a super bright future. Him and Lando both do. Are they on the right team to achieve those futures? I think that's the overarching question. Like, So I agree with that guy. Leclerc is in, isn't doing well because <laughs> of his team. So should Leclerc move? Uh, probably not. But like, he just kind of reiterated the question. Yeah. Yeah. I think honestly on that, you know, going back and actually really thinking about these, it's always fun to speculate like, Oh, what if this happened? What if that happened? Yeah. But if you're in their shoes, you might get frustrated, but realistically, if you're Leclerc, where else are you going to go? Right. Yeah. You're not going to go anywhere else. Cause Ferrari has a fast car. You're just going to hope that they can get their head out of their ass. Like we talked about before, he needs to step up and probably take a more leadership role and start, mm -hmm. you know, making things move himself. Um, within the team and once they do that he'll be fine and then you know with Norris I still think that Norris should probably wait for another seat in you know Mercedes to open up potentially yeah. um but yeah honestly I think right now or in the near future they all just need to hold what they got and you know not be not be too quick to make a career-ending decision you know yeah. go down that path of Fernando Alonso or Danny Ricardo. You know, I think especially with Norris, you know, having Ricardo as a friend, you know, I think that's probably something that Danny's probably telling him is like, hey, you know, wait it out. Don't just jump yeah. ship. Don't be too quick to jump ship. You know, wait for something that's actually a better seat to open up. Because, um, yeah, that would be the worst thing you do is start making moves. And everybody looks at Fernando now, but how long? He's 41 years old. He got lucky on this last move. He did a he lot of He hasn't been relevant since 2012. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so you definitely don't be too quick to be the next Fernando Alonso. Yeah. Everyone's loving Fernando right now, but they forget the past 10 years. Uh, who's Fernando? <laughs> yeah. Right. This guy's coming back. What's he doing? Yeah. 
Yeah, I yep. think that's yeah that that's good on that. I, I think that we've come to a conclusion, and in our professional opinion, I'll reach out to them and I'll let them know what we came up with, and that way they'll stay where they're at. <laughs> yeah, you'll call uh you'll call Fred and uh, Zach. Yeah, you're on first name basis with those guys, I'm sure. Yeah, look, guys, you got nothing to worry about. Dylan and I spoke, and we came up with the plan. The other thing I did think about with Lando, and it was a smart move um, by Zach Brown and McLaren, was the contract for three years and $80 million. Sure, that's a nice penny to Lando, but that is a huge chunk of cash if someone wants to buy him out. Yeah. So on the flip side, like, sure, you're incentivizing Lando to stay, but you're de-incentivizing everybody else trying to buy him. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So. It's it's a crazy world out there. It is. Yeah, it's it sucks. You know, these are first world problems. You're making millions upon millions of dollars and <laughs> it's like, what do I do next? Yeah. You know what? It just is. fix your fucking car. Just fix your fucking car, <laughs> man. I don't know. I'd be careful saying that to Toto Wolf because I think they're gonna fix that car. I mean <laughs> so so I was thinking about this the other day, kind of going astray a little bit here, but you know, we always got time. Um Aston Martin is got a Mercedes rear end, right? They've got the Merck entire drivetrain from power unit to transmission to rear suspension setup. All Aston Martin did was develop a better aero package that was, was similar to Red Bulls, right? Mm-hmm. And they jumped from P7 to P2, right? Overnight. You take now Mercedes, and I don't think there's a team out there that can outdevelop Mercedes. And they've right. proven that for years. Or maybe, you know, if someone can, Mercedes is always in the conversation. And now Mercedes is going back to the drawing board to redevelop. And you cannot tell me that they're not going to come out with a package. It's going to look oddly similar to another car. And they are going to come out fast. They yes. don't have a Lance Stroll to hamstring them also. <laughs> they've got That's true. two of the best racers on the track and one of the best strategists leading them with the best development team. So yeah. I thought that was just thinking about like Aston Martin having the heart of Mercedes. And now let's talk about who's going to outdevelop an aero package. And I'm going to put my money like, and Aston's done well with Lawrence Stroll. Like they're going to develop a hell of a package. They've got Adrian Newey's protege over there. Like they're going to do good. I don't know. So the question becomes who's going to be a de- better developer, Mercedes or Aston Martin. And mm-hmm. I mean, on the surface, I'd put my money on Mercedes. Yep. Like, all, every day. Every day. It's going to be fun when they come out with their Red Bull package to see how fast they become. Yeah, that, that's actually interesting, an interesting thought and completely true. You're right, because that Aston Martin is just a, a Mercedes dressed up as a Red Bull. Yep. And Mercedes is about to dress up as a Red Bull as well. So let's <laughs> see who does it better. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hopefully that'll happen soon, but we'll see. Um, so what's next? We've got today's Monday. We've got, uh, oh man, I just realized the Australian GP is in Australia, which means it's like 1 a.m. here in Florida. It's probably what midnight for you, I think. 12 a.m. Qualifying is 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. Uh, yeah, that's going to be, um, well, I guess I'll be watching it recorded when I wake up in the morning. Yes, I'll be watching it in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Well, that kind of sucks. Well, it kind of. Yep. I don't. I don't mind waking up before everyone else and turning it on. So yeah, and because then um, there's no pressure either to like get up at a certain time. So yeah, yeah, I'll do but, the same. Uh, Wake up and watch it. So Wednesday, Thursday, you're gonna get probably Thursday from us. We might record it Wednesday and then send it out there Thursday. We'll do our race pre-race weekend where we'll uh, give you a little bit of history and updates on the track, the drivers, the news, and uh, what our just expert, perfectly accurate predictions for the weekend are. Yeah. So I, ha- I have a prediction for the predictions. I think the <laughs> predictions this time are going to be spot on. That's my prediction. <laughs> my prediction is that our predictions are going to do better than last time, where we both scored zero points. So <laughs> Last time we were basically McLaren. <laughs> so we have to do better you can, you, you can only go up all right oh, um man. so yeah that's uh we'll get that out to you guys and then we'll go into the race weekend hell yeah well guys if you like what you heard make sure you give us a review and a rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to uh those definitely help us out a lot and if it's on youtube make sure you like and subscribe and I think that's it. I think so. Okay. Well, then. With that, stay classy, America. See you next time.